Season two, episode one, is with none other than Hibs captain and Scotland international Joel Murray. What a pleasure it was to sit down and talk football with Joel, from when she was a kid growing up, to supporting Hibs, to playing for Hibs, and representing her country, as well as her coaching career maybe beyond the game. I hope you enjoy this as much as I did recording it with Joel. Such a humble, hard-working, top-notch footballer, and a good person to boot. Bye now. How are you? You alright? Good, eh? Good. Good. Thanks for coming on the podcast. That's alright. I'm uh, happy to happy to be here and get get actually time to, to meet you. Obviously captain of Hibs Ladies. At what point um, do you sit down and with the rest of the squad and, and set out your targets for the season? And is it, Do the coaches do it first? Or do the players get a big input on it? Or how do they work out? So we generally do it um, start of the season. So pre-season we'll, we'll come in and, and sit down um, and basically the, the coach gives us that onus and gives us that responsibility and just asks us what we want to achieve for from the season ahead. Obviously, if there's things that we don't speak about or touch on and, and, and the coaching staff maybe think um, is, is a good um, kind of goal or aim, then they'll throw that in. But generally, it'll be the, the player's responsibility to, to come up with that. And, and even things like the, the environment, um, the training environment, a game day environment, they'll ask us to, to kind of set those standards as well um, at that point, just so that they're, they're in place for the season ahead. As captain, do you feel there's a bigger bonus on yourself to make sure that they stick by it? Or? I, I I think so. Obviously, that's that's probably one of the captain's roles in, in any team. But for me, I, I try not to... It's obviously a young team at Hibs. Um, so I try to get the, the balance of kind of guiding them, but also giving them the responsibility and making sure that they're taking responsibility and they're not just getting kind of molly-cuddled and, and babied along the way. So I, I tend to try and keep that, that balance um, in place. And, and obviously, there's situations where... You, the, the balance maybe shifts from one way or the, the other depending on situations and, and, and individual players but for me that's kind of the, the ethos that I follow yeah. What's it like the integration? The young players obviously were just talking off mic there about youth teams and development teams and they're there for the first team basically mm. to use as they want What's the integration for youth players coming up? What's, what's that like for you? I mean, I'm guessing it's different at every club but I, um, it's, I think at Hibs we've always been very very good at Introducing young players, um, ma- making them feel very, very welcome within the, the first team environment, the first team squad, and and even so for for new players coming from from out with the club, um, we've always had a good reputation of having that that great environment and that welcoming um, kind of feeling at the club. So, um, and I think for me that's that's important because I always kind of 
try and think of myself with, uh, on the flip side of that. And if I was coming into a club, what would I want from 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 teammates and coaches and things like that? So I think it's so important that, that we have that welcoming atmosphere and environment. Did you ever think you'd be captain? Did that ever cross your mind as you were coming through? Or did you have that goal already set for yourself that you wanted to be in the Hibs first team? And um, nah, I don't think so. I think when I first came into the club, I, I came in at under-17s level um, into a strong under-17s team. And for me, it, it's just taking small steps and setting individual small goals. Um, so I never, ever thought I would I would be the captain of the club at first team level because at that stage, when I first came in, there was massive, massive characters in the team, in the first team. There was international players. You had players like Debbie McQuinney, Mandy Burns, Stacey Cook. Um, Laura Kennedy who was the club captain for years so for me I didn't even think that that was a possibility um, and as I say I didn't want to get carried away and I always tried to, to keep my feet on the ground and, and set kind of manageable goals and aims um, as I progressed through through the teams. Where were you before Hibs? What was the, how did, basically how did football start for you? It always starts somewhere for mm -hmm. somebody, usually with a ball and a wall. Yeah. Yeah. Getting shouted at off your grandma. <laughs> so where did it all start for you? Uh, for me, so I come from from the borders, a small village in the borders, and I was the only girl that played football down there, so I stuck out like a sore thumb. But I think it all started. My dad played football um, locally, so I would always be at him to go along to his training sessions. Um, he then went into management, and again I would be at every training session, at every game. Um, and then in between times, I'd be down the park playing playing football. And back in those days, I'm speaking as if I'm 50-odd here, but when I was growing up, it was down the park with a ball and it was like 20 v 20 down the park in that condensed area. So for me, I absolutely loved that. I, I, my mum couldn't get me away from the park. Uh, she was always dragging me, dragging me away at the end of the night. But yeah, it was just a ball down the park on the streets um, at my dad's training and games that, that got me got me hooked on the game. Um, he then started taking me to Easter Road, um, and and yeah, it's just all all kind of stemmed from there. What's your first memories? Do you, do you remember the first time going to Easter Road or, or going to a proper game that wasn't made in the park without any? And let's be honest, kids don't understand this. We used to play and there was no bibs. Mm. There was no, unless you were colour coordinated yep. and you phoned your mates beforehand and said, that's <laughs> you wearing black and night, everybody turned up black or whatever it is. That's the way it used to go. Well, I know it's funny you say that. I don't know how we manage actually because it was literally 20 v 20, but as you say, there was no bibs, but you're still in the dark. And you still knew who was on your team, so aye, uh, pretty good attribute. Somebody on your team, a wee done. Aye. You always gave them a wee done. Aye. Oh, I didn't know you were on your team. But you always knew you were on your team. What was your first memories? What was your first memories? Probably, so I've uh, got a younger brother. He's two years younger than me. I think my dad wanted to get him into football as well, so... We would go along to Easter Road and then there was what this one day where it was me, my brother and my dad and I think I must have been about eight and my brother uh, six uh, and my, my dad, um, we were sitting watching the first half and my brother was on it, my dad, he wasn't really interested in football but as I say, my dad was trying to persevere with my brother to, to try and get his interest um, but all through the first half my brother was at my dad to, to get a pie so my dad uh, went away, got him his pie, sat him back down um, Half time came, my brother stood up, turned round, put his pie on, on the seat and as you know, seats 
flip up uh, instantly. So Pi went flying, cut the rose back, and my dad was fuming. So that was the last day. My brother being at Easter Road. So that was my first memory um, as a three. And then, as I say, um, from then on, it was just me and my dad going, uh, oh, I, I would go every every home game with him and absolutely loved it. No, that was your first memories. Who was your favourite players growing up? Who, who did you look to? Who was the heroes? Uh, so I... Uh, I had a few actually, uh, Darren Jackson. Um, I scored the penalty in one of my first games at Ibrooks. Yep. Rangers 1-1-0 Yeah, Darren Jackson, uh, Russell Latipe, he was a character. What a character, uh, but also what a player he was on the pitch. Um, I think growing up I was quite lucky because the, the players that came through Hibs when I was growing up and even now were, were unbelievable, your Frank Sauzes, Players like that, that that I've saw play at Easter Road, I feel so fortunate to have, have saw uh, saw them. And, and obviously, um, you, you've got your Scott Browns in that golden generation, Kevin Thompson, Stephen Whitaker. Um, aye, what uh, if? Can't help it, what if? But that's, that's just Hibs. They had such a good, even now, but maybe not so much, but what a, a youth academy they had to, to bring all those players through and through together. It's... It's almost comparable to the, the Classy 92 down at Manchester United, whereby such a, a golden generation coming through. And look at them now. You've got Scott Brown still ever-present in, in that team. You've had Stephen Whitaker down in England. Uh, Stephen Fletcher still down in England, down at Sheffield yeah. Wednesday. So what a, what a team that was. So I, I do feel so fortunate to, to have come through um, those different generations and seen those quality, quality players play Easter Road. So what's your thoughts on the, the modern day Hibs? I, I'm, I, I like them. I, I don't think you'll hear many mm. Rangers fans say that. I like Neil Lennon again. I don't think... Oh, no, definitely not. Right I know. I think I, you're one I, of... I like him as a guy, to be honest. I think yeah. he's good. He's a good character. He's a winner. Yep. Um, and he's, he showed these signs of mental health, which I spoke about again off mic. Yep. Um, and he showed how he's coped with that. So what's your, what's your thoughts on them? Um, I think... Um, Ever since, obviously, Leanne Dempster came into the club and she transformed the club. I think when she first came in, it was just after we'd been relegated. There was maybe only a handful of players left at the club. Um, people had maybe left by their own accord or, or had been asked to leave. So she came in, in in a period of turmoil. And from what she's done since then to now has been absolutely incredible. But also, Neil Lennon playing a massive part of that. Um, the perception that people have of him, I think the media perception is completely a completely different guy. Um, I've been down at the training centre many a time where he's invited me into his office and he, we've just spoke for, for hours on end just about football and what a lovely guy he is. And I think he's brought a, a winning mentality into the, the, the club because before there was no question that we had the, the players, we had the talented players, but we maybe didn't have that added grit or that extra uh, bit of determination that, that we needed to, to get us through games and win games that we, we should be winning. So he's installed that in the team and more, and I think the recruitment has been fantastic. Um, we had players on loan last season that we've managed to either bring back on loan or um, bring back on a, a permanent basis. So good players. I know just names for the sake of names. Um, so absolutely fantastic recruitment process. Um, and as I say, the, the whole backroom staff uh, 
along the way as well has, has been has been great um, uh, been a great support to to Neil and Leanne and as I say the performances speak for itself the Scottish Cup win uh, that obviously that was under Alan Stubbs but Neil Lennon picked that up and and has drove us forward um, ever since so yeah I'm delighted with what we're we're producing on the pitch at the moment and uh, excited to see what the future brings. I'm not going to miss out the Scottish Cup win just because it was against my team. But the, the thing I wanted to speak about was how's the connection between maybe you can't answer this, maybe you can between the men's side and the women's side. Mm. Is it all as one? Is it a so the the women's team we fall under the community uh, foundation, so the charitable army, the club. Um, so we're based at Easter Road, um, so we're we're obviously in the same facility and things like that, but. It is essentially still two separate entities. We, we do get a lot of support from the club um, in that sense, but yeah, um, in terms of unifying things and having us fall under the, the club, that's that's still not 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 there at the moment. And I don't know if it's 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 easier to to have us falling under the charitable arm of the club um, opposed to opposed to not, but. Yeah, the, the club are, are really supportive. We the resource we get from them, um, we've been known to use their support staff, their backroom staff, um, and even just tapping into their knowledge. Um, and as I spoke about there before, Neil Lennon has been been really su supportive. Um, Any time I've been down at the training centre or or any of our coaches have been down. So um, yeah, they've got a keen interest in the in the women's team, um, which which is obviously great to see. What, what are you telling me about the new away kit that you modelled last week? I think it's all right, but to be fair, um, it's a bit referee, isn't it? Do you think? Oh, I don't want to say that. Uh, it's a bit referee. I mean, if I was designing it, I would maybe have broken up the colours a bit. Uh, but I think the the top's nice. I don't know how much we'll wear it, to be fair. I think it's generally just been brought out yeah. to play Celtic. Right. Um, so I don't know how much we'll, we'll use it. Our away kit is white. Is it white? We are oh, forest so green. Um, it's essentially the same colours. I think we've actually brought out three kits identical to Celtic's ah. three kits. So Celtic's um, away kit is a white, yeah. we are forest green. Ours is a white, we are forest green. So they copied you? Aye, they've ah, copied us, obviously. I think they've obviously been in and had a look at the... Uh, Designs. So, um, <laughs> so no, I, I like it. I like the the, the colours. I like the slate grey through it. But as I say, it's a wee bit referee. A referee like. But Aye. let's go into the cup. At any point in that cup final, did you think it was it was yours? It was there. <sighs> Not because being a Hibs fan, you can't have that mentality. <laughs> because when you think that instantly, it's taken away for you. But. I don't know, it was a strange day. I remember walking up to Hamden. I'd walked past the programme guy, and I never buy a programme, but I'd walked by him and I thought, nah, I'm going to buy a programme today. I just had that feeling. No arrogant, or no, I didn't, I wasn't getting carried away with, uh, with myself, but I just had that feeling. So I went back, bought a programme, and got into the, the stadium. And as I say, it just felt differently to the times before that we'd been at Hamden in semi-finals and cup finals. So obviously the game started and we had a fantastic start. We were playing well. Um, and then even when when Rangers obviously clawed, clawed us back, I still thought we, we had it in us, but not to the point where it was literally going to be at the death like it was. But 
Aye, as a Hibs fan, you can't get carried away because, as I say, you, you think you've won a game and then two seconds later you've you've lost it. So, But, as I say, on that day, I did have a different feeling about it um, and what a day it was. Absolutely incredible. I think it was a long time coming, obviously, um, and aye, a massive, massive memory for, for every single Hibs fan. It's... Um I'm not bad about it. <laughs> <laughs> Were you at the game? Were you? I was there. I, I was there, and it was um, it was funny because it was although Rangers won the league that year, I think they played well for about seventy five percent of the season, mm. and then they had like a lull yep. for like February onwards, and you were kind of like, and then they get through the cup, and obviously I think the worst thing that they probably could have done was get into the final. Uh. Um, beating Celtic, obviously they went get the resource of bringing Brendan Rodgers in. And, what a job he's done. Yep. A lot of fans don't seem to be too happy with him right now. But it's That's football, football it's eh? Fans are fickle. When it's good, it's good. But when it's bad, then the worst time. place ever. But when you're at the game, I think I had a feeling of it's not going to be a day. Mm-hmm. Um, it was an ironic day because it was my first day. I'd moved from City to Rangers, but I had like a year out in between. And that was my first game. Really? Uh, we played in the boys' league that morning. And I thought I'll go down with my mum on the stairs where I went. There. Right, okay. So she's at Celtic end of the stadium. Um, my family's actually Celtic supporters. Oh, really? I away with my dad and my granddad. Oh, really? Supporters, yeah. Um, and it was walking up, and I said to my dad, I said, I don't have a good feeling about the day. And he was kind of the same. Um, and we walked into the stadium, and we were sitting just above the Hibs pants over at the North Stand. Right, okay. The fancy seats, so we were on the real end of the crowd. Thank God. Um, <laughs> aye, all the flares you were fly, uh, flinging in aye, and stuff, I I'm not commenting on that. <laughs> so, uh, we watched it happen. And after the game, we just stood. like, I just stood and watched. In fact, I didn't even go to see her lift the cup because of the commotion that happened after it, which is a shame. But it was um, it was a bit of an experience, mm. you know, singing Sunshine and Leaf and stuff like that. And even the goal, we were right in line. Really? My dad called it. Oh. I mean, pff, I couldn't believe it. I was, And that's probably the only, no disappointing thing of the day, but the fact that the, the fans and the players couldn't enjoy that lappy yeah. honour and enjoy the, um, the, the celebrations um, to the extent that they prob- probably would have wanted to. But I was quite fortunate to be sitting, I was literally next to the, uh, the trophy podium, so I could see what was happening, but... Aye, as soon as the the goal went in and then the final whistle, I think I just stood in awe and the tears were just flowing down my face. Aye. I just couldn't believe it. I think it was just such an emotional moment and thinking for for all the times that we'd been at Hamden and and nearly won and maybe didn't. And aye, it was just so worthwhile for all of those times. But aye, it was just one of those moments that I'll live with me for, for the rest of my life. Get Champions League final tickets here. Really? When we were under the Leverkusen fans. The Zidane, right behind it, really. And as soon as they hurt it, the Leverkusen fans applauded it like it was a weird moment at a football game. Really, and I'm kind of thinking, Dad, do we applaud? Do we? What's happening here? I I liked Madrid at the time because of Zidane, because of Raul and and stuff like that. And I was like, do we applaud it? Do we not applaud it? Should we? And they done it, so I was like, right, that's fine. But they all stood, and I think that was maybe one of the first times as I got older. People were standing at a football game. Ah, right, okay. Which I think we should bring back because it makes a, a good atmosphere. Oh, aye. I know it's one of those ones, eh? I know some fans love it and some fans hate it, but as you say, for an atmosphere yeah. uh, point of view, it's uh, aye, night and day. Look at the Bundesliga on TV and the place. Oh, unbelievable. Are you just going to finish above Hearts this season? 
Do you feel they're better against that? They've had a good start. They obviously, uh, the weekend they're drawn against Livy, Naismith missing the penalty, but aye, they've, they've had a great start, but it's early days. I don't know if they can uh, maintain that going forward, but they seem to have the squad depth to yeah. to uh, bring in quality in for, for quality, so I don't know. It's, uh, it'll, it's It'll be an interesting season. Obviously, Rangers are on the up, doing well so yeah. far under Gerrard, and... Obviously, flip side of that, Celtic dropping points. I think I've seen somewhere that Celtic have dropped the same amount of points already as they did in Brendan Rodgers' maybe first season in yeah. charge or something like that. So I think it'll be an interesting season. But for me, it's it's what the game needs up here because it just creates interest. And Because it's, it's, I think even if you're a Celtic fan and you're running away with the league year in, year out, it is obviously enjoyable because you're winning it, but... Is it? But as it's it's exciting for the first time maybe I can remember in a while it's like you've got a few teams here. Yeah. Who could I know and it's just it's just maybe unfortunate that well, I was at the Hibs Aberdeen game last night, it's unfortunate that they've maybe no um been performing as well as they have been the last couple of years because then I think it would have made it even more interesting. Obviously you've got Livingston who've just came into the league and um doing so well. I think their style of play are uh, proven difficult to, to play against. So I'm call them an ugly team there, but they're not... A bit stuffy. Ah, stuffy. stuffy. They're playing to, their, playing to their strengths. Ah. Um, so, now nah, I think it'll be an interesting season. Makes it interesting. Use a guarantee three points Saturday. Hibs uh, Hibs and That's three points. I don't know. It's Hibs, so, like I said, anything can happen. Aye, ah, and are struggling, to be fair. Obviously, I don't know what's happening there. They obviously got rid of Alan Stubbs early on, but... Guy they brought in they got a result against Celtic. Um, nah, that's true. Inconsistency. Let's jump back into your playing career. Um, playing the Champions League as well. How, what was that experience like, especially at Easter Road? Oh, what a night that was. Bayern Munich under the lights at Easter Road. Uh, another memory that I'll live long with me. Um, it was incredible. Obviously, the result didn't go away, but we always knew that was going to be a tough ask. We were back in the Champions League for the first time in a few years, straight back into the last 32, up against the Bayern Munich. So we knew it was never going to be easy, but uh, what a learning experience for, for me, who, who, who'd obviously all, already played in the Champions League, but for, for girls, that, that was their first taste of Champions League experience. But the, the support we got, I think it was just over 2,500, um, which I think is a record still in the domestic game. Um, but, oh, I what, what a night that was. And obviously then we, the, the year after, we were back at the group stages and narrowly missed out in, in the last 32. So it's definitely something that we're, we're hoping and looking to get back into um, next season. Do it this year, can you win the league? Oh, I don't know. It's, it's Obviously, there's three league games left still to play City in the league. Um, it's, it's a tough one. The, the games prior to... Um, the one coming up have, have been very, very even. There's been nothing in it. Obviously, two two draws. We've we've seemed to have had the upper hand in the cup competitions in the last couple of years, but that that means nothing. Um, obviously, City have been so dominant in the league for for many years, um, and that's a dominance that we we do want to to break. But we know that it's it's going to be tough. Um, City have obviously got a good bit of momentum at the moment. They've got Champions League football where everyone is asking if that's going to be beneficial to us because of fatigue. But for me, I see the other side of it. I see it as they've got momentum. They're getting game after game under their belt. Um, they're spending more time with each other. So that bond on and off the pitch. So 
it's going to be a tough one and I think um, obviously we've got a game we're playing Sterling at the weekend uh, City have got Celtic if we can both get through that it'll be it'll be interesting one uh, in two weeks' time after that. Exciting. Aye, it is. It's good. And again, it's it's good for the league because it keeps interest right to the end and you, you do, you want to generate interest whether it be for one specific club or another um, and I think we've been able to do that over the last couple of years. You see on the back of games um, against each other, the interest and the publicity that it gets is, is massive. So if we can do that, then aye, I'm all for it. How is the comeback? Good. Yeah, I had a um, so in January I went to Lamanga with the national team and picked up a, a stress response in my tibia, so that kept me out a couple of months. Um, came back, played sixty minutes against City, and then managed sixty minutes against Celtic before um, picking up a double ankle break in my fibula. Um, so five months down the line, and here I am. I'm, um, Three games back, um, I played 15, 45, 70, and I'm allowed 90 at the weekend. So they wanted to gradually build up my game time. Um, so as I say, I'm back to 90 at the weekend, and it's feeling good. Um, I didn't really appreciate the amount of time that I'd be out with it. Um, and that wasn't false expectations from, from the physio or the doctor. It was probably because I was a bit naive in myself. I didn't really appreciate the, the length that the bone would take to heal and then the recovery thereafter. So it's been a long five months, but the, the team, uh, Hibs, have been doing great. They, they've been doing fantastic without me. Obviously, I missed the League Cup final that, that we won. And, yeah, they've been doing great. So I'm just hoping to come back and obviously business end of the season and, and support them on and off the pitch as much as I can. But I am coming back and... A few games to go and the season will be done. So everyone's off season. I'll be my pre pre season. Right, so just one of those ones. But part and parcel of the game, I've been quite fortunate in my career not to have picked up any major injuries. So I guess it's just one of those things, eh? It's football, isn't it? Aye, uh, and I think you need to be. You go one way with an injury. I think you can go one way or another. And for me, it was just keeping that positive kind of mindset and focusing on what I wanted to to do and just getting on with it, really. Yeah. Um, Interesting you said that, because that was my next question, so you're reading my mind. Really? <laughs> no, it's just the, the injury side, it's that I suffered a bad injury as a youngster, so I see my pelvis, so Oof. it's, um, they said I'd be out for two years, and then maybe nine months into it, they were like, right, you come back, play 40 minutes, and in that 40 minutes, I've done my ankle. Really? So, aye, it never, it never went too well for me, to be brutally honest. It was one of them where it was awkward, just got a new pair of boots for Adidas. Wore them on the park, felt good with them in the warm up, so I thought I'd just wear them in the game. And the doc kind of said to me, um, I went to see Doc Jackson, who's at Rangers. Right. He took care of me. And he said to me, try and wear moulded studs if you can. And the Predators at that time were the moulded oh, studs really? that I played, so just got them, felt good. And about, they, put, they gave me more than 40 minutes to be, to be fair to them. I'm not playing the club, like, I was chomping it, but I think I was busting the guys' yeah. drum. They put me on and he put me on and I went to block a shot and I uh, had a pass, I think it was in the 88th minute and my foot got caught and turned my whole ankle, so my ankle and my knee went at the same oh. time and I got back and played on. Did you? Aye, uh, stupidly I get back up, there's about seven, eight minutes still to go with injury time and I get back up and played on instead of going off because I thought I can't go off and just back and then I went home, sat in the bath and just looked at my ankle getting bigger. Oh really? Bigger, and then I looked at my knee and that was getting bigger and bigger and I thought, oh man, I've done some damage here. 
that was another nine months on top of the two years. So it was just kind of like, after that, I lost a wee bit of love, a wee bit of. Did you? Aye, I did, I did. You try to tell young players this, like you're trying to help them, you're trying to protect them for certain things, and, and you know what young players are like, they don't want to listen to you. Yeah, I think they know some, better. Some, even some older players, but uh, it was a bit of a tough time, you know, you'd been full time, still very young, mm. still watching my mates go and move on. I was sitting at my treatment table getting electric shocks sent through my body. Oh, really? Longing to run. I never thought I'd say I was longing to run, but I was longing to run and what I wanted to run. And I got down to Dumbarton, was doing all right, and my body just couldn't handle it. After we played, I, I wouldn't be able to walk for three, four days. And that was for your pelvis, so pelvis. the injury so before the injury? that linked down into my, my knee. It was linked in, obviously, linked yep. together. And when you're a young guy, you don't, or a young kid, you don't understand that, you know what I mean? So it was one of the when I took the decision. While I was at Hamilton, I got some good advice to go to college. Right. I done it, reluctantly, because my mates were training five days a week, mm. four days a week, whatever it was. And I reluctantly done it, but after every training session, I would go to college, or vice versa, I'd be at college and then go to training yep. and stay for longer. Um, and I enjoyed it, but I didn't, I didn't see the value at the time, and then all of a sudden, I don't know if they had it in their mind I was going to get injured or it seems a bit weird at the time, but I got offered it and it was like, right, I'll go to college and I'll do this. And four years later, I graduated and done everything and was not playing football now, really? which was odd. And it's still something that irks me to this day, but my body's just a total mess, man. It's tough. It's, it's something, and that's something that links into the, the positive mm. mindset and stuff. And I try to remain as positive. I went, I think I went to TK Maxx the day they told me about it, my pelvis, and I bought one of the big gym balls, and I bought all these wee weights and all that sort of stuff, and I was doing it in the house, doing it at the club, earliest in every morning. Really? Earliest in I, I'd be in, get my breakfast, and then straight up to the gym. Really? Because I wanted to, I thought if I'd done that, I'd be back sooner. Yep. And I did, I managed to cut it down to nine months, which in hindsight probably wasn't it. Wasn't it the best long term? two years and just left it, and, no left it, but kept working on my yep. body, and, my mum always used to say to me, walking up to school, straight up your shoulders, I'm like, I'm fine, but my shoulder was away in because my pelvis was twisted. Was it, like twisted? Because I would look at myself in the mirror and say, no, no, I'm totally fine. Aye, it was a bit heartbreaking, still is to this day, but you just deal with it, didn't you? Find other. And I think you're right in what you're saying, it's so important to have something to fall back on because I think so many younger players these days, playing within that professional environment, maybe already think they've made it and then you think about the bigger picture or longer term what ifs so I think it's so important to have something to fall back on just in case maybe didn't make it or get released or injury cut short their career so um, and for me obviously I'm, I'm back playing now but that's why I was so keen to get into coaching um, again you're reading my mind really <laughs> Do you want me to wait? Not on your own. Uh, that's why I was so keen to get into coaching because I was going through the... So I'd, I'd started 1.1 uh, one right through and as I was on these coaches, I was um, kind of coming into contact with ex-professional players who'd said, wish I'd done this when I was playing so that it ensured a, a smooth transition from playing to, to coaching. So that got me thinking and I just thought, right, I'm just going to continue this. So I went all the way through and then was quite fortunate that the... Um, the SFA, so under Anna uh, Signol, um, we got funding to part fund the B licence. Yeah. Um, we got funding from, from the SFA, I think, and, and UEFA 
to, to put us through a bespoke B licence. Um, so there was six of us, six national team players, and um, we'd done that throughout uh, 2017. So it was a year-long course. Um, but for me, in the back of my mind, I'm thinking, well, when I retire, if I've got my, my badges, then that, that ensures that smooth transition and then there will not be that that lapse of time in between. Um, so I think it's so important to, to have that in the back of your mind um, because football, you can't play football forever. So, aye, aye, I know. And it's funny you say that because everyone says, like when people like ask me about my, my training schedule and my work schedule and stuff, and they're like, well, how do you do that? How do you balance all that? And I always say, well, I'm not going to play football forever, so if I can commit as much of my time now to the sport that I love playing, I know that when I get to that stage where I retire and I can't play, that I'll no have any regrets or I'll have very few regrets. So that's always been my philosophy. Well, I can date the now, so I'm going to date the now. So, I, And if, if there's any advice that I would give, then that certainly is that you can't play forever. So do it and, and enjoy it. Um, as much as you can, whilst you can. What advice would you get the youngsters that you're working with, that you're coaching? What, what advice have you got for them to make it? I don't know. I think first and foremost, you need and uh, first and foremost, you need to be enjoying it because, as I say, you commit so much time and effort to to the sport that if you're not enjoying it, then it it it's, it's makes it even harder. So enjoy it. Um, but as I say, dedicate as much as your time to to your training and when you're at training just focus as much as you can um, and get out of um, the session get as much out of each session as you can because as I say there's no point turning up to training and just going through the motions um, so I but as I say I think the enjoyment factor is, is massive and for me football has given me so many different transferable life skills um, so people always speak about results and performances on the pitch but very rarely speak about things off the pitch. And for me, as I say, the social element has been massive. Uh, I've met so many different people from so many different walks of life that I would never have done without football. I've travelled the world, um, been to countries that I wouldn't have been to. Um, and, and again, that's all through football. So I, I owe a lot to football um, on and off the pitch. And, and as I say, I'm so thankful for for my dad getting me involved um, when I was five and my family supporting and uh, persevering and, as I say, um, yeah, just just supporting me throughout my, my early stages of my career because obviously being through the borders, it's, it's a bit of a trek away from Edinburgh. So I needed the, um, my mum, my dad, my granny, my granddad, my papa, everyone to to kind of share lifts. And I, and I know for them that wasn't easy, but they knew that that was my passion and my... Um, what what I wanted to do so I I think first and foremost just enjoy what you're doing um, and then that'll stand you in good stead going forward Were you always a centre back? No I started right mid loved the uh, I was expecting to see striker then Oh no I wish started right mid loved and idolised David Beckham when I was growing up um, so started right mid and Thinking back, players must have been slow back then if I was a right mid. Because <laughs> I remember getting up and doing the pitch and beating players, but I they must have been slow. So I started right mid, centre mid, and then it was Willie Kirk had came to me one day and it's like, I'm going to play you centre back. And I was like, what? Did you have so fear when he said that to you? Because I think that's a, a genuine consensus with players, isn't it? Aye. I think I fear just because I'm like, 
No, centre-back, surely no, because I just had this impression that a centre-back was just a big, big, ugly centre-half, centre didn't really get on the ball, just lumped it forward. So uh, we had a bit of a disagreement, but here I am, a good few years down the line, and I, I love it, I absolutely love it, and I think it helps playing in a team that builds for the back, yeah. so uh, get, a lot, uh, get a lot of touches on the ball, so uh, cheers for that, really. That's, that's what happens, I think, when I was younger, um, I've definitely told this story, I can remember this one thing, I've told this to everybody I can meet. Um, I never played with a team at first until I was maybe about eight or nine, um, and we'd just moved around the corner. I used to play in school and stuff like that, and play with my mates up at the concrete park, it was like a concrete. That's only, there was no tables. Right, okay. But there was gold painted on the wall, so I used to play with older boys up there. Um, and I was always a striker. Oh, right. like, idolised Ali McCoyst, idolised Eric Cantner. But my big cousin was Cantner because he had the man new shirt with a collar. Ah, the, the collar up. Yeah, so. <laughs> I had a and there was other players that I loved, but I was always a, always a striker. And uh, we got to the guy downstairs from my mum took a team. And I was mates with his boy, and I'm like, that's a no-brainer. But he was a striker as well, and I thought, I've got a bit of an issue here. And they seven aside. No, two, two strikers. So I thought, I'm quicker than him. I can use my two feet. I'll be the striker. But he scored goals for fun, so... Uh, we got to the game, and we were in training. And I'll never forget the first training session. It was up in Castle. He says, let's go two-touch. I'm like, what? It was two-touch. You don't play two-touch, in it. You do, but you don't... Nobody tells you you two-touch, you just do it. And he went, right wee man, drop into right back for me. And I was like, <laughs> He's like, you? And I was like, I'm not right back, I'm a striker. And he says, just think of the right back you really, really like. So the first person he came to my head, I don't know why the hell he came to my head, was, uh, do you remember Jason McIntyre played the other one? Aye. He came to my head for some reason. Really? Back. I don't know why. So I was like, right, okay. So I went into right back, um, then I became, I think we were too old and they weren't going to just let go of all these, it was new always, it was about sixes, they just going to let us go. We should see you later, these are too old to play now, they didn't have an older team. So my dad and uh, Alan Boyd, who's at Rangers, decided they were going to make their own team. And I was like, I'll come play for you, but there's one condition, I'm a striker. And he's like, I'm a striker. <laughs> so he put me at left back. Really? So I would use my left foot. Now my left foot's more dominant than my right foot. Right, okay. But he put me at left back, so I would use my left foot, because he played left back. Uh, and I loved it, bombing up and down, because he, he was like a wing back, he wasn't really a... No, you weren't restricted, eh? Tackling was one of my favourites. I still, to this day, even if I get involved in training, there's guaranteed I'm winning something. Big slides, isn't it? No, I know like back then, but no, no, I just no. tend to use this big ass that I've got. Oh, do you, the road and a wee shoulder and... I feel bad sometimes because we've got some small players in our team. They just come at your ankles, you don't really care to <laughs> Who's the toughest opponent you've played against? Or the best, toughest? Um, I don't know, I'd probably say domestically, Julie Fleeton. Uh, when she, obviously, she was at Glasgow City. Um, obviously, massive, massive um, player within the, the women's game. Um, so, Julie Fleeton, our. our Again, both her feet were unbelievable. Didn't know if she was going to go left or right, and she she could hit the back of the net. I remember we were with the national team, and we'd just finished. And I think she five ten minutes. She just got a bag of balls, and she was just hitting balls like top bin, 
bought them then signed it and just for fun and I was just watching and I was like oh she's uh, aye, she's very very good so definitely Julie um, domestically and probably um, Medima against uh, Bayern Munich uh, she's uh, aye, she was very very tricky very skillful very quick um, athletic um, and again just didn't really know didn't really know where she was going to go um, so I I'd probably say those are the, the two um, toughest opponents I've played against. Teammates, who's, who's been your best teammate? I know this is harsh because you're... you're oh, still aye. Pro I, don't, I don't know if they'll listen to this, but they might be like, go on, answer it. Answer <laughs> it. What's she going to say? Um, probably, so I've been quite fortunate to play with Kim um, yeah. domestically and with the national team, and I'd probably say Kim. I remember her breaking through um, at Hibs, and oh, she was unbelievable. It was yeah. pretty much gi the body Kim. Yeah. And she would, uh, she would just beat players for fun, um, and then obviously, that form then led and it transpired and transferred into the national team. And uh, she's she's an absolutely fantastic player, fantastic person on and off the pitch. So I would hundred uh, percent say Kim Little. Anyone I didn't want to pick anyone current can... because then I'd get to training tomorrow night and they'd be like, aye, aye, aye. So. <laughs> So there's definitely a future in coaching for yourself. Is that, is that where you see yourself after you've hung up the boots? And yeah, I think so. Um, it's not manager. Have you made that your mind? Or you just not really. I, I do enjoy coaching. So at the moment, I, I work with Chris Smith um, on a Monday night at the South East um, Under 16 Regionals. And obviously he's the, the lead coach there and I, I'm assistant. But um, it's not something that um, I've kind of decided upon. Um, but... It is something that I'm keen to do and keen to get involved once I stop playing. But I do think I've got a good couple of years left in me yet, so Absolutely. it's not something that no I want to get. I can that you got me retired. No, no, yeah. <laughs> um, aye, so it's something that I definitely want to get into. Definitely, I think you'd be a good coach. Great manner about you, which is a start. Some people just don't have a nice manner. Oh, thank you. Compliments. I'm fishing for compliments. With regards to Scotland, you spoke about it there. What was it like qualifying for the Euros? Oh, it, it was absolutely massive. Um, obviously, with my injury, that kept me out of the qualifying campaign, which on a personal note was was disappointing, but so, so chuffed for, for all the girls and, and for Shelley. I think when when Shelley first came in, that was that was the goal. We, we spoke about goals and um, aims before we Hibs, but certainly with the national team, that qualification was, was what we were going for. And... To achieve it in the manner that we did is, is absolutely fantastic. So, um, again, it was something that we wanted to build on from 2017. Yeah. 2017 gave us a massive taste of that finals environment yeah. and that just got us hungry for more. And we said from from even from the end of that tournament, we want to be at the World Cup next, yeah. uh, in, in two years' time. So. Two decent places as well. Aye, I know. And that's that's the thing as well. It's massive. Obviously, it's massive at the top end of the game that we've qualified. But I think at the other end, to to to, if we can inspire a, a generation and and get more girls involved in the game at grassroots level, then that's a massive achievement in itself. And I spoke about it before. Um, obviously. We've got multiple roles to play as national team players on and off the pitch. And if a young girl coming through, even just one, looks up to you and sees you as a role model and says, that's what I want to do, then then happy days. Because I, I think that's so important that, that, that that's what we're there to do as well, is perform and get results on the pitch.
definitely. There's a there's obviously a, a campaign or a project going on just now, the the SSE Hydro. Yeah. Joel Murray Centre. Yeah. By yourself. What was it like seeing your name in the back of them tops? Um, Aye, it was a bit surreal. I think even I think when you're grown up, that's what you want. You want your number and your name on the back of your top. And even when it first happened at Hibs, it was only a couple of years ago. I think it was actually for or pre the Bayern Munich games because that's a stipulation for Champions League um, that we got our names and our numbers. And uh, it, it is a proud moment um, seeing your your name on the back of your top and. I've seen the, the little girls at the soccer centres um, running about with your squad number and, and your name on the back. It's, uh, aye, it could bring a tear to your eye, to be fair, because, as I say, those are the, the girls that are hopefully in years to come going to be on the, the national team stage and um, hopefully performing well for the national team. So it's a proud, proud moment. Yeah, it's amazing. That, but I'm glad you're, you're humble with it, you've embraced mm. it. What, why number 17? Is there a story behind it? Is it? A wee bit of a story. So seven, I, I was born 17th November, so seven was always my lucky number um, and a number I wanted to, to play with. So we got it when I came in at uh, Hibs under 17s. That was fine, got it. So then I was making the step up to the ladies. So I'm like, right, what number am I going to be? Looked in and uh, Mandy Burns was number seven and instantly I was like, I'm not even going to challenge Mandy for that number. So I just thought next best thing, number 17. And uh, obviously Mandy left and a few of the other players left and I was offered number seven, but I think it just no nostalgia. I just like, nah, I want to keep number 17. And even now at the start of the season, John, number seven, albeit Lizzie Arnett was chomping at the bit, but I, nah, number 17's my, my number, but that's the story behind that. I didn't really fancy that challenge uh, in confrontation with Mandy Burns, so <laughs> I don't know if you know Mandy, Mandy but yeah, yeah. I, uh, I just left it there. The role models, I'm conscious of time because I know you're, you're busy. Um, with the role models, I think it's special. For me, you know, that I've got a wee girl, and it's nice to know whether she plays football or whether she doesn't play, there's so many good role models mm. out there. meeting a lot of people like yourself quite tight with Joe as well at City and, yep. and hearing that and you get to see them and, and, and obviously you know there's plenty of role models that they're coming to look up to and to inspire to be and it's, it's quite exciting and I said that to the younger from coaching now as well because I see them as role models for younger kids in the academy even though some of them are only 15 and 16 yep. themselves. Yeah, I think it, it's so important. I think the initiatives, obviously the SSE and SFA with the soccer centres that initiative has been been incredible. Um, having a kind of role model and an ambassador in each region um, for for younger girls to kind of look up to and relate to is is absolutely incredible. Because I think when I was growing up, everyone, if you asked everyone, it was Julie Fleeting. But now, as you say, there's so many different role models that um, that younger girls can can look up to and aspire to. And for me, I think it's so important um, to give back um, because that. As I say, when I was growing up, it, there wasn't really a lot of that, and I, obviously the soccer centres didn't exist. So for me, I, I, I love attending them, and I love doing what I can and, and giving back because, um, you, 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 as you say, you want to be humble and you don't want to forget where you've come from. And um, I think if, if, if you can give something back, then absolutely fantastic to do so because the reward, even if it is just that massive smile on a young girl's face, is... It's incredible to see, so I absolutely love it. And I think the SSE and, and all the partners and the initiatives that are running um, to, 
to get more girls involved are are great and uh, I should be should be doing doing more of them really. So so I. What music you listen to right now? You love music on this podcast. Oh, what music do you listen to now? I don't know. Everyone asks me like, see when I get asked about what music, I think I've got quite a wide range music that I listen to so if it's a good song regardless of who it is um, aye but I'm uh, I've got a reputation for in the changing rooms of putting on a good uh, good kind of bouncy number an old school remix or something like that so I do take a wee bit of stick but there are ones that come on and the girls are like what a song that is so, aye, chest puff do it in that, and I'm like, aye, that's my choice. Aye. So, aye, I, I do feel like I've got a, a wide range of uh, music that I listen to, and as I say, depending on, regardless of who it is, I'll listen to it, but I do like a, a song where I beat, especially in the gym, uh, a bit of motivation, uh, and then pre game, I do love a wee old school remix, GBX. Classic. <laughs> I can't read it. Listen, oh, it's, honestly. It's weird, the, the songs you'll go to when you need a battle. Oh, I've got the go-to songs for the gym and stuff, so aye. You've dodged my question. But sorry well, about that. It's all right. It's fine. Joel, thanks very much for coming on the podcast. It's been beautiful. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you very much. How do you feel?